Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about courageous generosity. One more message and then we move to hope beginning next weekend as our Christmas theme, Hope is Now. The... uh, Bold expectation of courageous generosity is my message this morning. I hope you listen very carefully, and I hope you receive my words into your spirit. The bold expectation of courageous generosity. Giving has a rhythm to it, and the other side of giving is receiving. Would you say out loud the word receiving? Receiving. When you give of your life, of your substance, of anything, the rhythm of giving is also to receive. Some people have no expectation for the receiving. They fight with the giving sometimes, or they muster up enough faith to do it, whether it's giving of their resource or your life or whatever it might be. And you almost just kind of leave it there. Like the giving is the end. And and so you go on with life. The giving is not the end. The giving is the beginning. And the rhythm of giving is the expectation, the bold expectation to receive. No farmer plants a seed throwing the seed in the ground saying, I know nothing will grow. Nothing will happen. I don't expect it never will happen that way. No investor would ever invest saying, I know nothing will come back, but I'm going to keep investing in this business. You don't do it that way. When it comes to the kingdom of God, there's a rhythm of faith that I want you to get a hold of. Here's our definition of courageous generosity, what we've done for four weeks now. The attitude that confronts adversity with a spirit of liberality. Open-handed generosity and unselfish, faith-filled giving, which we're experiencing. Flowing from a willing heart. And we talk about this courage, everyone say the word courage, that comes into a person. Now, we've covered four areas. We've covered the heart, the faith, the seven motivations, and now today the bold expectation. Now, the heart of generosity is really the heart of God because God's a giving God. The faith of generosity is really seeing something that you can't see in the natural realm. So it takes the spirit of faith. And then we gave you seven very clear motivations for giving, how you should give, what you should see, what you're sowing toward and against, and how you are motivated to do that. Now let me define what I want to do in this message. Courageous generosity has a bold expectation. Bold expectation is anticipating that God would abundantly provide by making room, by making room for supernatural blessings with open hands and open heart. It is seizing by faith and prayer what God promises to release into my hands. I'll give you a second because I hope you take this down. And maybe you'll pray this out loud over this year and over your life and over your giving that bold expectations is anticipating that God will do something. It's anticipating that God will fulfill something. It is actually proclaiming, declaring, and believing with a heart that declares things that are not yet there. That's the world of faith. That's the world of expectation. I would like you to have more expectation than what the world has. I would like you to have more expectation than what you had a day ago, a month ago, or a year ago. When we get into circumstances that are 
adverse, surprising, hard, or we get into economies that are lack and worse than lack, or we get into a mindset because of our business or because of our job or because of our career. Maybe your career has hit the wall. Maybe your job has hit the wall. Maybe you're working somewhere you don't want to work. Maybe you're doing a business that you're not sure you should have started and it's a struggle for a number of years and you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe you're stretched to the limit when it comes to your studies in college or school or even anticipating a future at all because when you look at the world, the future of the world's not that bright to you. And so even anticipating a future at all takes the spirit of faith. So I want your expectation level to come up and I want there to be an open-handed reasoning in your spirit that would receive what God has for your life. God has something good for your life. God has more than you expect. God is full of surprises. But it takes something to release principles in the kingdom of God. If that's not true, then why is prayer in the Bible? Prayer is a tool that releases something. If God didn't want something released in the supernatural, the invisible realm, there would be no need for you to pray. But the very act of prayer is an act of faith because you are supposed to release something in the invisible realm that touches the visible realm. But it takes faith to do that. Whether it's prayer faith or giving faith or witnessing faith or investing faith, whatever you want to talk about, it takes some kind of a priming of the pump to believe that something will come back again in your life and in your children and your children's children. One of the best stories that I read was about the man who got lost in the desert, ended up stumbling into an old uh, shack, mining shack, and he was near dead, dying of thirst, no food, no water. He was on his, his last moments of life. He stumbled into the shack, got inside the shack, just to get out of the heat of the day. As he got into the shack, he just kind of looked at all the rubbish and the garbage in the shack, and he's laying in the corner, and there's no windows in the shack, so he can't see things very clearly, and the man is in, in a state of dehydration. He's dying. And so he finally looks over into the corner, he sees a pump, and so he crawls over to the pump, and he takes this old pump, and he starts pumping, but there's nothing in the pump. There's no water that comes out at all. So he crawls back to his corner, and he's just sitting there, and his eye catches a jug sitting to the left of the pump, and so he crawled over to the jug, and sure enough, the jug was filled with water. And so he uncorked it, he could not believe the good fortune that this jug was filled to the top of water. And there was a note attached to the jug. And the note said, Sir, you have to empty the entire contents of this jug of water into the pump and prime it if you want water. He sat back, put the cork on the jug, on the jug and try to reason with himself. I can drink this and live for, maybe somebody will find me. Maybe something will happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or I could actually pour it into this pump and believe that water will come out and I have as much as I need and take with me. And he went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, he crawled over, uncorked the jug and poured the whole thing into the pump. 
With all of his strength, he started pumping. Nothing happened. Falls back on the ground. Has an attitude about himself, you idiot. Why did you do this? Why would you think this? Why would you, why would you even try something so stupid? So he crawled back over to the pump and he just says, I'm just going to keep pumping it. Well, after several minutes, a trickle of water started coming out of the pump. Pretty soon, it started flowing and then it started gushing. Water that you could water your horse with and your cow and your family. And not that your family are horses and cows, but you could water everything. I mean, this man had more water. After he stayed there a while and he drank and refreshed himself, drank and refreshed himself and washed himself and, and then got some other containers to take water with him, he wrote his own note on the jug. And he put his own note on the jug and he said, Whoever you are, believe me, this works. You have to give it all away before anything will come back. In faith, empty the jug into the pump. Believe me, it works. Now, as a person experiences that, they're able to say to someone else, prime the pump, go ahead and give it away. Go ahead and pour it out. But this is all I have. It won't be all you have. But I'm not sure about this. Be sure it works. Believe me, it works. And as you move into that realm of believing, it builds faith for yourself and faith for other people. But it takes a bold expectation to believe that it's going to work. Prime the pump by believing. Here's some scripture for you. Acts 3 verse 5. So he gave them his attention. I just want you to notice the one phrase, expecting to receive. In my mind, the man was healed because of that phrase. He expected to receive something from Peter and John. He expected, he focused. And when they looked at him, they felt his faith. You really think we have something to give. He expected to receive. Matthew 7, 8, everyone who asks receives. Well, I'm going to believe that. You seek, you'll find. I'm going to believe that. You knock on the door, it will be open. Sometimes the more you knock, the more the dogs bark. The more you make noise, Sometimes in the kingdom of hell and heaven, activity starts. In Pilgrim's Progress, it talks about him knocking on the door and having all the dogs barking against him and scaring him so bad that he wanted to quit knocking, but he knew he had to keep knocking even though there was so much noise and the vicious animals, he kept knocking on the door. You know, sometimes like Pilgrim's Progress, you have to be a person that just keeps knocking on the door. You keep seeking to find. You keep expecting to receive. You keep your faith level up there. You don't give up on that. You don't give up on that. Don't give up on your future. Don't give up on your health. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on what God wants to do and through your life. You don't give up. You keep knocking on the door. But it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. Every once in a while, and I've read her story probably, oh, I would think 
minimum 20 times and probably more than that, Mother Teresa, uh, all the different books written about her. If you know me, you know I have certain heroes that I just kind of read a lot about. That would be one of them. Uh, Winston Churchill would be another one. And there's certain people that just kind of capture my spirit. Mother Teresa, for a lot of reasons, captures my spirit because most people don't know anything about her. They only know about what she did. But if you knew about how she got from where the dream first hit her when she was 16 years old and how the dream took her to the place where she finally had the opportunity to fulfill that dream was a very, very difficult, horrible road and at times disappointing. At times she was turned down as a nun, as in the order that she was in. They wouldn't talk with her. They turned her down again and again and again. They wouldn't let her do what she was going to do. It never looked like she would ever get the order she was after. But she was persistent. She kept knocking. She was one of the most stubborn people I think you would ever meet. She would never take no. She would never allow them to shut her up, even though they shipped her off to different places to do other ministry to keep her away from the poor and away from the nuns and to keep her mouth shut so that she wouldn't stir up the problem. She would stir it up wherever she went. They'd have to call her back. And when you follow her story, you can understand why she expected to receive and kept out. She just kept knocking on the door. She just kept seeking to find. She just kept expecting to receive. And if you read the letters released in 2003 that Mother Teresa actually wrote, the Catholic Church would not release the letters until 2003 because the letters are so pessimistic sometimes. They're hard. They're, they're hurt. They, they make you look at Mother Teresa in a totally different light. Because this woman suffered so much in herself. She had diseases herself. She had disappointments. She left her family, never saw her family again. She couldn't get them out of Albania, even though she tried and tried, never saw them from the time she was 16 until her parents died. She never, she never got back to them. They never got back to her. And the story goes on and on. Too much is given. There's a lot of sacrifice to it. And if you give up along the road, you're missing the open door that God will bring. Because if you don't keep knocking at the right time, there, there will be a time when that door opens. But if you're not knocking on the door and believing a step through it, you can miss some of the doors. And in the kingdom of God, doors speak about opportunity. Doors speak about new direction. Doors speak about something opening up in your life. Doors speak about things that God wants to bring to you. But you got to knock. You got to seek. You got to believe. You've got to receive. You got to take these scriptures serious and put them into your life. Even though they're simple, they work. Psalm 24 verse 5. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. Now I believe that I'm a blessed person. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. So I'm going to believe Psalm 24, 5. I shall receive blessing from the Lord. Would you read this prayer out loud with me? Expectation prayer. I want you just to read it with a spirit of prayer. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Yes. Let's read it out loud. I stand on the word of God, believing all that has been promised is mine to receive. I open my hands and by faith receive all that God has set in motion toward me. All miracles, all blessing, all promises. I want you to take your hands and just hold them out. This is a prophetic, if you understand the word prophetic, it's simply a spiritual term that means it's a declaration of something. It, it speaks of something more than the physical. As you hold your hands out, 
I want you to receive a word from the Lord from me. Based on scripture and study and prayer and inspiration and experience and looking at the characters of the Bible, I want to say to you, there's things coming your way that God wants to pour into your hands that will be considered supernatural, miracles, breakthroughs, different things are going to happen. And in a spirit of faith right now, in this particular month of this particular year, in this spiritual season of our life, we open our hands and we say, Lord, I expect you to send something into my life. I expect some open doors for my career, for my business, for my future, for my ministry. Lord, I trade pessimism in and I take up a new spirit of expectation. I'm not going to gripe anymore. I'm going to open my hands and believe. Lord, they're on their way. You're sending something good into my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, I want you to take down a few more scriptures. John 10.10, 10, which you know, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. And I want you just to notice, and I want to, again, declare this over you, John 10.10, that you would have a better life. And one translation says, more and better life than ever dreamed of. Than ever dreamed of. Wow. Someone asked me the other day, what was my hardest birthday? Because... Mark Estes now is 51. Everyone say, wow. <laughs> and Robert, who's Pearl campus pastor, just turned 50 last week. Everyone say, too bad. <laughs> too bad. Well, I turned 50 11 years ago. But I don't look it. Turn to neighbor and say, that's true. <laughs> now, what was my hardest birthday? Not 50. 50? I didn't even want to do anything. I didn't care. I didn't care about 50. 60? All I wanted was some new dentures or something. I didn't care about 60. 40 was my worst day. 40. I remember it well. Why was 40 so difficult for me? I'll tell you why. As I sat in my home in Eugene, I realized something when I turned 40. I will never fulfill all the goals and the dreams I wrote out for myself. I won't live long enough unless I'm Methuselah. I realized that at the rate I was going, I couldn't fulfill everything that I saw when I was 20. Because 20 years went just like that. I wanted to write a commentary in every book of the Bible. I had so many books I wanted to write in my life. I had so many things I wanted to write about. I had so many countries I wanted to visit. So many churches I wanted to plant. So many missionaries I wanted to send. So many, I had a list of everything that I saw from my life. And I realized at 40, not going to happen. My wife says, why are you so upset? 
You've already written more books than most people. You've already planted church. You've already traveled the world. Why would you be so depressed? I said, leave me alone, Job's wife. Don't encourage me with the past. That's not, that's not the issue. The issue was the future. It took me a while to work it through, but I'll tell you what I worked through. And <clears throat> this is what I want to impart to you. John 10.10 10 says, I've come to give you life, better life, and more dreams you've ever dreamed of. The dreams you see when you're young are the dreams of the mind compared to the dreams you see when you're 50 that are dreams of the spirit. You dream differently as you get older. And you trade in something that are not as important to God or else he would have made me to live 150 years to get all that done. God knew exactly what was the most important things for my life. Can I say this to you if you're 40 and older? Do not be discouraged with the dreams you've had because God's going to bring some fresh dreams to your life. He's going to do more in your future dreams than you even thought he did in your past dreams. And even though some of the dreams never happened and some of them have been dashed on the rocks of discouragement and disappointment and all kinds of pivotal problem stuff that's happened to you, I want to prophesy in the name of Jesus that he's the dream maker, he's the dream giver, he's not finished with you, and your future will be the best ever and you will have dreams you've never even imagined you could even dream. Can I hear an amen? amen? I'll tell you what you want to do sometimes. Google it. However you find information. Find out who were the most famous people who started being famous after they were 70. You will be shocked. You will be shocked. Life does not end after 40, nor does it end before you're 20. Your dreams are something God wants to give in a package that you have to receive. I hear an amen. amen. Living God's way is living with bold expectations. Please take these down. I want you to expect that these things will be real for your life. One, expect the blessing of God. Expect it. Confess it. Declare it. Pray it, read it, talk about it. Expect the blessing of God. Two, expect to be honored by God. Both riches and honor. First Chronicles 29, 12 says, Both riches and honor come from you, O Lord. Wow. I'm believing that God will honor your life. Number three, expect the favor of God. Talk about it. Pray it. Proverbs 8.35, whoever finds me finds life. Proverbs 8.35, and obtains favor from the Lord. Favor is that specific grace that is shown toward a person. Four, expect to live generously. Expect it. Expect your life to prosper, that God will give you more than enough, and that you will be generous, and that you'll be able to flow and help people in many different places of the world. Why? Because you'll have a 
generous life. You'll, you'll help more people than you ever thought possible you could ever help. Believe that God is going to give you a Proverbs 22, 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. For he gives his bread to the poor. Proverbs eleven twenty four. you know these scriptures. There's one who scatters and increases. I'm believing that you will be a person that will have a generous life. All right, now, your bold expectation needs an attitude. Here's the attitude that I'm talking about. First Chronicles 4 and 9. You know the scripture, but here's the bold attitude of generously living people. Courageous people have this attitude. First Chronicles 4 and 9. Jabez was more, notice, honorable. But yet he wasn't. There is nothing about his life that would tell you that's true. But from God's perspective, he says, Jabez, I'm going to honor you. Jabez was a person born at a bad time. Mother named him Bummer, really. Sorrow, that's the name that she gave him when he was born. How would you like that? You go to school and say, what's your name? Bummer Damasio. Really? Yeah, my, my mother had a hard time bearing me, and she said I was sorrowful, burdensome, and she wanted just every time she saw me to say, bummer, 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 bummer. That, that's Jabez. He was named after a circumstance that was hard in someone else's life, and he could have lived with that. What's your name? Well, burden. Well, disappointment. Well, I caused pain to my mother. Well... But he rose up, whatever caused this man to do it. When you read about Jabez, you read a chapter of genealogy. That's all it is. And it just goes one name after another. And it stops. And this is the only reason you know who he is. Is because of this genealogy. And the writers stopped when they got to Jabez and said, Oh, by the way, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, now this is bold. Oh, that you would bless me. Aren't you going to live out being a bummer? No, I'm not. And that you would enlarge my territory. Even though my mom didn't give me much, I have more territory. And that your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil. And then he prays a very fascinating little phrase. That I may not cause pain. He had learned pain. He had learned living under that cloud. He was hurt. We would call this boy a lot of things. But he prays. Just make sure I don't cause other people pain. And God was so pumped about this man. It says in your Bible, 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, it says, and God answered his prayer and did exactly what he asked. How many of you have experienced in the last 12 months some bummers, disappointments, loss, burdens, stress, Depression, disappointment, failure. 
in life, in yourself. If I could somehow just kind of get my invisible scope and look into your soul, what would I see? What, what would be going on in the soul of that person? A Jabez experience. Pain, sorrow, inferiority, humiliation, embarrassment, no future, no territory, no blessing, no hand of God. Nothing in his genealogy would say God would have to bless that man. God responded to his heart. He says, oh God, bless me. I want you to say, oh God, I need to hear you say that louder. And now I want you to say a little louder, bless me. Turn to your neighbor and say, and he wants to. And he wants to. He wants to bless you. What's your expectation? These are bold expectations. Take them down. I expect to receive from my work, job, or business. I expect to receive something through my job and my work and my business. I expect to receive from wise decisions and investments. I expect it. Three, I expect to receive from supernatural sources and supplies. I'm going to expect it. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to start looking for this. Expect supernatural sources and supplies. Four, I expect to receive from some miracles, some turnarounds, some breakthroughs, some, something that is so unreal it will come to my life. Five, I expect to receive from a lifestyle of sowing financial seed. As I sow, I expect to receive. For me, my family, and my family's family. I expect it. Six, I expect to receive from a faith attitude of receiving. My faith attitude is, I'm a receiver. I've been blessed. God's hands on me. He's going to cancel out my past. My future has never been brighter. Dreams are coming back to me. No matter what has happened in the past, the future is going to be under God's hand. And he's going to enlarge my territory. He is going to bless me. Can somebody shout a big hallelujah? hallelujah. If you will take this attitude, faith draws things in. Unbelief pushes them away. An attitude of faith brings good things into your life. A hardened heart pushes good things away. Your declaration in your mouth and your heart has a lot to do with the rain that comes on your life. A lot to do with how God handles you. Turn it around. Receive. How will you receive? Well, I said it and I'll say it again. Receive with open hands all that God wants to supply for you. I love Genesis 14 and verse 22 where it says, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham prays in Genesis 14, 22, I've opened my hands to the possessor of heaven and earth. You know what I do when I get a little discouraged and a little bit uh, down or negative or Things don't happen like I see, which, you know, I'm believing for us and for our future, not just my own. And for every church and every missionary and every, I feel it all personally. And so sometimes I can, I get a little upset with God that he doesn't do things on my timetable 
that upsets me. He doesn't do things the way I like that really upsets me. He doesn't do things as big as he should do it when I say do it. That upsets me too. He doesn't do it for people I think deserve it and he does it for people who I wouldn't do it for. <laughs> that happens. What I have to do is I have to go to my library at my house and I have a library of some 6,000 plus books in my office and so I have my own little personal monastery. And I go in and I grab a couple theology books and I go to the attributes of God and I start reading about who God is. It never failed me, ever. How big he is, how strong he is, how truthful he is, how merciful, om omniscient, omnipotent, unlimited. And then if that doesn't do it, I go grab a book on the universe and I start reading about the stars and the whole thing about how tiny the earth is and how huge the universe is. And, and they're still discovering universes beyond the universes. And they're still discovering billions of years to get to a certain star and millions to this. And when I try to comprehend that, my mind begins to hurt. And when my mind begins to hurt, my faith starts coming up. So I realize how stupid I am to worry about my little problems. J.B. Phillips wrote the book. He was a great theologian. He wrote the book, Your God is Too Small. Folks, sometimes our God is too small. The God of our mind, the God of our mouth, the God of our heart. What we see God can do in our circumstance. Our God is too small. Some kids that were praying they were missionaries in Africa, Nigeria, and they had a child that was sick. And so the, in the compound there, the missionary children were praying for this little African girl. And so the missionary, knowing they're going to bury this little girl, said, children, what would you like to pray? Because they had the medicines they didn't have, they, they, they couldn't treat her. The doctors were hundreds of miles away. They're out in the middle of nowhere. So the children prayed for six things. One was a certain doll. One was a certain this. One was for the medicine. And the, and the missionary found said, well, you know, it's all in God's hands. And we, but you know that the very next day, the very next day, a box came to that mission compound. And guess what was in that box that had been shipped months earlier? All six things the kids prayed for. When the kids opened the box, they just went, we told you so. When the missionary opened the box, she says, I can't believe it. The medicine was in the box that your child needed to cure her problem. God is so big and so awesome and so wonderful that we expect so little of him that we limit what he wants to do. Can I just say to you in this season, open your hands. Receive with joy. Believe God to do it. 
Expect the promises. There's four things you can do, and I end with this. When it comes to your choices as the bands come to the platform, there's four things you can do during this giving season, during the faith harvest, or any season like this in your life. You can choose to withhold. You can retreat, shift into neutral, quit, or break through when it comes to your life. Those are four things you can do at any point you want. You can quit. You can retreat. Or you can throw it in the neutral. All of those are attitudes. Or you can take life on and say, I'm going to break through. I'm going to see things change. I'm going to keep scattering my life into other people and my resources. Everything about us must believe that God is greater than we are. He's bigger than any circumstance. And he's able to provide. Your business can turn around. But it starts in you, not in the business. Your job can break through to a better career. But it starts in you. You can begin to give to the poor. But you have to start somewhere. To start sowing into other people's lives. When Mother Teresa was in San Francisco, she hit the news. Because when she got to the house, they started... She took all the carpet, the fridge, and the mattresses and pushed them out the window. So the news filmed this, and it was all over the news. They said, why in the world would you throw away and push this stuff out the window, all the stuff they put into the house? She said this, I don't want our staff and our ministry to forget what poor people feel like. So I don't want them living like this. I want them to feel who they're ministering to. An attitude. She understood to reach the poor, there has to be a heart. Not just some kind of a ministry. For God to do something in your life, things have to get into your heart. Your heart. And you got to believe God for yourself. Can I hear an amen? amen. How many of you believe that God is good? How many believe God is good to you? How many believe that your dreams will be resurrected and better dreams will come? How many believe your hands can open up and receive everything coming your way and not miss one of them?